Tyler and Alicia and Mama Daisy and all the volunteers survived the now. I know they had a great time. Uh, when you see them, give them a high five or something. They, they put a lot of work into that, so thankful for them. Uh, I want to say hello to all of you who are watching online on television with us today. Though, for those of you in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online television audience. It was so good to have John Ed with us last week uh, as Emily and Eddie Ray and I went back to Florence. And today he's preaching in the Greenville area, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, he's still on the move. Uh, this morning, I want us to do what we do each and every week, and that is pray for another local church. And this morning, we're going to pr pray for Wesley Memorial UMC in Opelika and their pastor, Stacy Lee. Uh, Stacy was actually, she came out of Fraser and was proved as a candidate for ministry here. And so we want to pray for her and Wesley Memorial. Uh, before we do that, I want to say uh, also that um, uh, please sign up for this Wednesday night. I know, uh, I think Ken will mention this later in the service, but this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to meet. You can, um, you can sign up for food uh, on the app. Uh, if you have trouble with that, you can just stop by the church office and we can help you out with that. Uh, but we're going to be sharing a vision for groups ministry over this next year, this Wednesday night. You're going to get content this Wednesday night that you won't get anywhere else. And so if you're in a group or a Sunday school class, please be here. If you're looking to get in a group or Sunday school class, uh, this is a great way to connect as well. And so uh, this Wednesday night, you can see that information in your bulletin. Also, this morning, we're going to uh, kick off a brand new sermon series entitled In This House. It was one day, a long time ago, a guy named Joshua stood up in front of the people of Israel, and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, and we are a church family, this is our house, and there are five aspects of the Christian life that are absolutely essential. We're going to be talking about these five over these next five weeks, and today we're going to start with the topic of worship, because worship is our passion, and I want to talk about why that is the case today. But before we jump in, let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, we come to you this morning so thankful, because you are so good and Lord, as we come to this moment in our service where we open up your word and ask you to speak to us, I pray that you would speak to Wesley Memorial UMC. I pray that you would speak through their pastor, Stacy Lee. Lord, I pray that you would protect this congregation, watch over them, inspire their leaders as they lead in these difficult days. And Lord, for us here in this place, Lord, your presence is here. So would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. If you have a Bible, please turn to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. In John chapter 4, there's a story. And that story um, is about this Samaritan woman who goes to a well one day and has an encounter with Jesus. I've been reading this story over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that just absolutely blows my mind is that this woman leaves her jar beside the well. After she has this encounter with Jesus, she goes to get water, she encounters Jesus, they have a conversation that's very important, and then the text says in verse 28 that she left her jar beside the well, and she ran back into the village. And I've been thinking about that phrase, she left her jar beside the well. I mean, think about this. When you think about, put yourself in the first century, okay? In the first century, in the Middle East, you do not just walk into the kitchen and turn on the tap right that's not how it works in the first century 
You have to, if you don't live by running water, by a river, the only way that you get water is by having a well, right? Which means the most important piece of equipment in your garage, they didn't have garages, just made that up, but the most important piece of equipment that you own is a jar and a rope. Without this jar and without this rope, you could have 50 wells and you're still not going to get what? Water. This, this jar, this rope is absolutely essential to life. Matter of fact, it, 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 life and death is in the balance on whether or not you have a jar and you have a rope that you can lower down into a well and get water out of. And, but again, the text says she left the jar beside the well. And the question is why? Why did she do that? We pick up the story in verse 7. Jesus goes through Samaria, and he is exhausted. You ever been exhausted? Yes. He is exhausted, and the text says he sits down beside a well. The disciples go off into the village to get some food. And in verse 7, it says a Samaritan woman walks up. And then Jesus does this very interesting thing, if you really think about it. The text just says that Jesus speaks to her, and he says, please give me a drink. But think about that. God is speaking to this woman in this moment. God in the flesh, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created the universe is speaking to this woman. This woman did not expect this encounter on this day. She did not expect it. And the same is true with me and you. So many times when we enter into worship, meaning we enter into God's presence, we don't expect him to do anything. But he does the unexpected. Many times when we come in and we sing these songs, we pray these prayers, sometimes we don't expect to encounter God, but he loves to encounter us. And we have to learn the art of expecting the unexpected. We have to learn how to expect the unexpected. I don't like that, by the way. I mean, I like routine. I like rhythm. I like predictability. I plan spontaneity. Yeah. Y'all get it? It was funny. Yeah. I really do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like to know what's coming. But when this God shows up in our lives, when we enter into his presence, you never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to do. You never know how he's going to call you. You never know how he's going to touch your life. And the Samaritan woman on this day enters the presence of Jesus. He speaks to her and says, please give me a drink. Now notice, uh, all of a sudden she starts protesting this whole conversation. In verse 8, the text says that he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. <clears throat> Verse 9, the woman was surprised that he said anything to her, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, to which Jesus is probably thinking, duh, right? And but notice, she says, why are you asking me for a drink? Notice that, why, 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 why are you asking me for a drink? Have you ever asked God a why question. Yeah, we all have. <clears throat> we all have. That's what she's doing right here. Why? Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied quickly and said, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you, and if you only knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living 
water. So many times we're so busy focusing on the differences we have with other people that we miss the gift that God has for us. So many times we can't see beyond ourselves or beyond the boundaries that we have created in life and the earthly divisions that blind us and we miss the fact that God has something for us. This lady, it seems like her tone is defensive. Why? Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me that? Jesus doesn't get offended. He just responds further and continues the conversation. But he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew who you're talking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then her response is this. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope. And you don't have a bucket or a jar. And not only that, in case you haven't realized, that well's pretty deep. And then she looks at Jesus. Think about this. She looks at the one who created the universe who created everything out of nothing. And she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor, Jacob? <laughs> I'm sure Jesus was like, yeah, well, maybe. Um, well, we won't get into that right now. Do you really think you're greater? Notice that she immediately starts talking about physical things, ropes, buckets, wells. She talks about these physical things because this is what she knows. This is her life. This is what she touches every single day. This is also what she trusts. This is what she finds her security in. She knows that if she has this rope and this bucket, then she can dip the bucket, the jar, down into the well, bring it out, and there is what? Water. And that she can drink that water because you got to have water to live. And so she starts talking about ropes and buckets and wells, these physical things, because this is what she trusts. This is where she finds her security. This is where she finds her safety in life. As long as I have a rope, as long as I have a bucket, and I have that well, I can get water and I can live. And so many times we do the same thing, don't we? We go to the things that we can see. We go to the things that we can touch. We go to the things that we have in our hand for our safety and our security. We don't call them jars and ropes. We call it money. We call it prestige. We call it our reputation. We call it our accomplishments. We call it our career. But we go to these things that we can hold in our hand, that we can touch, that we can see in everyday life. And we say, as long as I have this, I'm okay. And what we find ourselves doing is becoming more self-sufficient instead of God-dependent in life. This woman's talking about physical things. Jesus is talking about a whole different reality. So, Jesus says, listen, anyone who drinks that water, they're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink from the water that I give you, living water, you will never thirst again. And right there she says, oh, let me have some. She says, please, sir, in verse 15, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here and get water. So she's saying, please give me some of this water that you're talking about. And you're thinking, okay, Jesus has her right here. He has her right where he wants her. He can tell her all about this living water, impart that living water to her, and everything is good. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus knows that she really does not understand yet what he's talking about, and so he touches a point of pain in her life. Right here she's saying, yes, please give me some of that water. Please give me some. And Jesus looks at her and says, go get your husband. 
totally changes the subject. Go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You've had five, and the one you're living with is not your husband. And then right there, Jesus has her attention. He has her attention. Many times when we come into the presence of God, God has this unique way of getting our attention, of touching a point of pain in our life. It's a really great question to ask yourself. The question is, does Jesus really have my attention? Like, really? When I come to worship, am I coming to enter into the presence of Almighty God? And does Jesus have my full attention in those moments? He gets her attention here. But notice, she immediately turns the conversation around. He touches a point of pain in her life, and all of a sudden, she starts talking about worship. She goes, oh, wow, sir, sir, you must be a prophet. Again, Jesus is thinking, eh, well, yeah, sort of, but a little more than that. We'll talk about that later. And so in verse 20, she says, so tell me, why, why? She's back to why questions here. <laughs> why? Why did the Jews insist you got to worship in this place? We Samaritans, we worship in this place. T tell me why, tell me why. And Jesus looks at her and he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. When it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem or any other mountain, for that matter. He says, the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, right here, she's, you know, she's thinking, oh, okay. She said, I know that one day the Messiah is going to come. And when, it, when the Messiah comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus looks at her <clears throat> and as plain as day says, I am the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. Now, when Jesus says, I am the Messiah, several things start happening really, really fast. We pick it up in verse 27. All of a sudden, it says, just then, when he says, I am the Messiah, just then, the disciples come back. They are shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? And then what we see in verse 28, this shocking line, again, I've been reading it over and over, it says, the woman left the jar beside the well. Why? Do you know how important this is? This is so important. We live in a day where we have tons of buckets laying around. You don't have tons of buckets laying around in the first century. This is so important. This jar, this rope, it goes down in the well. You bring it back out, there's water in it. You need that water to live. So important. And she leaves it. She leaves it. Now let's be honest. You have opinions about worship, right? I have opinions about worship. Yes, strong opinions, strong opinions. But what this conversation does for us is that it gives us four truths about worship that have nothing to do with what the building looks like. They have nothing to do with what the music sounds like. They have nothing to do with who stands where when. They have nothing to do with who reads what when. They have nothing to do with furniture. There are four truths right here that are very, very important. 
there is no method mandated in the New Testament about worship. There are guiding principles and truths that help us know when real worship is happening. But no method is mandated. And right here we see four truths about worship. And here's how you know when you're entering into the presence of God. Did I mention she left the bucket by the well? It's mind-blowing. Four truths. Number one is this. Worship is where what I want in life changes. It's where what I want in life, what drives me, my desires, they change. This woman came for water. She wanted water. But she ends up leaving the jar beside the well. Did I mention that? She left it. Instead, she encountered Jesus. And in that moment, what she wanted, water, changed. It changed. What she wanted in that moment radically changed. We have to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus changing my wants whenever I encounter him? It's actually impossible to encounter, really encounter Jesus and not be changed. And we have to ask ourselves those serious questions where, am I really being changed by encountering, going into the presence of this Jesus? Because if not, then what I'm doing here on Sunday morning is called sing-along, not worship. Worship is entering into the presence of Christ and encountering Christ. And when that happens, what we want in life changes. And if I'm not seeing the change if I'm not seeing growth, if I'm not seeing transformation, if I'm not seeing myself be set free from things, then the question is, am I really encountering Jesus? Or is this just something I do on the weekends? She went from wanting water to laying down her jar beside the well. She moved from wanting something to wanting someone. Point number two is that worship is where my deepest needs are met. My deepest needs are met. This woman, like me and you, needs water to live off of, sure. But in this moment, a deeper need was met, and that is the need for a Messiah. You see, you need a Savior. I need a Savior. We need a Savior who will save our soul, save us from our sins, save us from our struggles, save us for a purpose in life. We all need a Savior. There are things right now that you need in life, but I'm here to tell you, you're not going to get those things that you need in life without relentlessly pursuing encounters with this kind of Jesus. But when you do that, every need that you have in life will be met in God's timing and done in God's way. The problem is, again, we become very self-sufficient. We go to what we see. We go to what we have in our hands. We go to what we have built. And we are, again, self-sufficient instead of God-dependent. But when we truly enter into the presence of Christ, that is where what I want in life shifts radically. And not only that, my deepest needs are met. And then the third thing becomes a reality. And that is that worship is where Christ becomes the center of my life. Not only what I want changes, not only are my deepest needs met, but Christ becomes the center 
of my life. One of the greatest deceptions in the church today, especially in America, is that worship is about me. I am sorry, worship is not about you. And if you think it is about you, you have completely missed the point. And I love you, that's why I say that. It is not about you. It's about one person. And that person is not you. And worship reorients our life back to where Christ is at the center of our life. She left the jar beside the well. She left it. Just sitting there. It's valuable. But all of a sudden, this valuable thing that she can hold in her hands, that she's walked out to that well many times and dipped it down in there, got water out and drank that water, all of a sudden, it didn't matter as much. All of a sudden, Jesus was the center of her life. Nothing else mattered in that moment. Worship is where what I want in life changes. Worship is where my deepest needs are met. Worship is where Christ becomes the center of my life. And then number four, worship is where we share what we experience. You see, our testimony flows out of encounters with this Christ. That's where we get a testimony. We don't get a testimony from head knowledge. We don't, we don't get a testimony from just knowing some facts. We get a testimony where we can testify about what God has done in our life through encountering this God, through intentionally coming into worship and seeking to encounter his presence. When you are encountering Jesus in worship, you are changed. And what I know about change is when you experience positive change in life, you go tell people about it. You do. I mean, that's why I say we're all evangelists. We're all like evangelizing for something. We evangelize for cars. We evangelize for makeup. We evangelize for all kinds of things, right? If there's a product and we like it, we go tell people about it. And whenever we encounter this Christ and he changes us in some way, he meets our need, he becomes the center of our life, when that is happening, we will tell others about it. People who can only talk about negative things or the negative change that we experience in life it's because there's a lack of positive change in their life and there's a lack of positive change in their life because there's a lack of encountering Jesus in fact I will go so far as to say this Christians who are perpetually negative are either one of two things number one they're not a real Christian or number two they are Christians who have stopped encountering this Jesus who can make all things New And so what we do is we hold on to our jars and our ropes, don't we? As long as I've got this, whatever this is, I'm okay. Whenever you say, as long as I've got this and that this is not Jesus, that is called an idol. As long as i got this, I'm okay. But she left it beside the well. In that moment, this did not matter as much. You see, worship is our passion because it is where we leave our prized possessions and we see Christ for who he really is. Worship is our passion because it's where the things of this world, they just don't matter as much anymore, but Christ becomes everything, everything. And here's my question to you this morning. 
I don't know what your jar or your rope is. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what you look to to find meaning and security in life. I don't know what that is for you. But what I do know is there comes a point in life when we have to leave it beside the well. See, on this day for this woman, this well became an altar. Jesus was there. She left this jar at his feet. She went back into the village. And I don't know what your jar is. I don't know what your rope is. I don't know what you're hanging on to. But my question to you is, what is it that you need to leave at the well that became an altar? What jar do you need to lay down and just let it be so that Christ can be the center and circumference of your life? Whatever that is. Whatever that is, my encouragement to you is to just leave it here today. Just leave it. Don't pick it back up. Just leave it. And let Christ be the center of your life. Hmm. Father, I thank you. I thank you because you call each and every one of us you speak to each and every one of us you meet us beside a well you meet us in pews you meet us in hallways and classrooms and altars you meet us and you speak Father, I pray right now for each and every person that's in this room, that's watching online or on television. And God, I ask that whatever it is that we're holding on to, help us just leave it beside the well that became an altar. Help us just let go of it so that we could take hold of you. Help us take our eyes off of it so that we could see your son and our savior for who he really is. Help us leave the jar beside the well. Would you do that for each and every one of us this morning? I pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. If you would, please keep your seats. At this moment, we're going to have some baptisms.